hamster with a blunt penknife and do it quicker. Three, two, one. Hello, it's Cy Hart and it's Joe Ford recording a commentary for a Doctor Who story. Same old, same old. <laughs> Welcome back to A Hamster with a Bunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. Joe. A bunt penknife? Yeah, I guess a bunt penknife yeah, pen today. <laughs> I'm renaming this podcast. Um, Joe. Yeah. This is... Series nine of New Doctor Who. I thought I detected a, a hint of disinterest in your voice there. Yeah, how how has it come to this? We're desperate now. We've done all the best. <laughs> We're left. Oh, yeah. And here we are. You have I say you've dragged me. Actually, I've dragged you to this one. That's right. I, I think I, I suggested that? this. Why one. are we doing this? We're doing well, we're doing this because for me, series nine of New Doctor Who, I think, is the weakest series of Doctor Who ever. Or at least oh, if, if it's, I've no no, I think of of all Doctor Who, I can't think of a series that I don't like as much as this series. You are gonna apart from Doctor like Who's that. season nine. It's oh, a nine I... thing. <laughs> so I what you're going to be like when we get to season 99 then yeah <laughs> we're in terrible trouble but i don't know this the uh, i think i said when we did the pilot that the capaldi era is not necessarily my era and this year really i found difficult to get through at in a lot of points i mean there's there is there are amazing highs there is obviously um heaven sent but heaven sent although it's a masterpiece as you said i think last week said it's not a story that you ever think oh i'll just watch heaven sent because I'd, I'd go as far as to say that heaven sent fails as a piece of entertainment because yeah, it's not entertaining it's not entertaining it's, it's, it's an art house movie as a doctor who episode and it's striking and very well made and but Peter Capaldi is I, amazing. Why did anyone want to revisit that? The doctor's suffering yeah. from terrible grief for an hour on his own. It's it's miserable. Yeah. And this is what I find about a lot of this series mm. that it's it's very dark. And I'm not a big fan of Dark Doctor Who in general anyway. That's not not my Doctor Who wheelhouse. And I know people love Doctor Who. Oh, they want Doctor Who to be dark like everything else is dark. But for me, Doctor Who is at its best when it's it's got light and shade, it's dark and, and light. It's that mixture of fun and, and um, thrilling and scary. And I think this pushes it a bit too far. You know, when you named Partners in Crime on the Who Gives a Flux Duds and Studs as one of your favourite of the Tenant era, I was up a ladder putting up bunting at work and I punched the air and went, yes! Yeah, because it's it's a magnificent episode. Mm. And to write Doctor Who like that is, I think, more difficult than to write something that oh, is awesome. unremittingly dark because yeah. creating that easy fun atmosphere is more difficult to do and more difficult for the actors to do i think than it is to create something that's dark and moody and for some reason 
And well, I know the reasons because I think because the Hinchcliffe era was so and is still so lauded that that's almost like the default of what Doctor Who is for the majority of of people that there that will never be bettered in so many fans' eyes, and there's that constant scrabble of Doctor Who needs to be like that. It should be. But that's not the only version of Doctor Who. And that is not my... I love that era. And there's loads of great stories in there and loads of brilliant Doctor Who. But there are so many other versions of Doctor Who that you can you can do. And to keep emulating that and come back to that. And I don't think that's necessarily what Stephen Moffat is aiming for in this, in this season. But I think it's what fans thought... Yeah. It was aiming for well, and then I think fans think that is the ultimate blueprint for yeah. the show. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, when I recently did the flux commentaries, um, the fellow I was doing that with, he named Village of the Angels as his least favorite of that season because that season is trying to do something bold and new and yeah. ambitious, and then suddenly there's a Hinchcliffe story jammed right in the middle of it, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, so it, and it works mm-hmm. against what they're doing in the yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean, with the story we're doing today, which is um, Under the Lake and Before the Flood, because we haven't actually announced which one it is, um, (laughs) as usual, um, there's a lot of comparisons, I think, to things like Ark in Space, where you're stuck in a base and you can't get in. It's a base under siege story until they go outside. Yeah. Because they can. (laughs) Um, But it's that kind of almost default doctor who and the i don't i don't know i mean i for series nine i just found that the atmosphere was it was so samey the atmosphere was so every week although the settings were different the feel of it all was very cohesive but it was a cohesion that I didn't actually like very much. <laughs> I think I think that there is, I said to you in a message, there's a fatigue to this season. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. the fatigue is not just in the production and the tone of it, but like you've got the opening two-parter, which is all about Davros being so tired that he wants to bring his life to an end and open his And eyes. the Doctor is celebrating that he's going to die again. And then you've got this which is um well it's hardly an uplifting piece then you've got the a shield or two-parter and that's about her living forever and being so fed up with that mm-hmm. then you've got the zygon two-parter which is really ugly it's just some politically very ugly things and mm-hmm. there's no one's having a good time in that story no um and then you've got the two we're sleeping them all and no one's yeah. fun in that either. <laughs> apart from joe short and then at the end of the season you've got the doctor staggering around in a grief stretching a wall you know and then attempting to tear down the universe Mm -hmm. to save one of the blandest companions we've ever had i mean there just ain't no laughs here is no (laughs) and and i do wonder whether whether it's because we've got clara almost unexpectedly staying on and so they've got to do something different and i wonder if we'd had a different companion whether this year would have been had a different feel because you've got that undercurrent and it's in this story of Clara wanting to be the doctor and wanting to, and desperate for the adventure. And, 
and all of that. And so I think that also sort of powers all of this as well. And it's I do wonder with Clara though, like obviously she wasn't supposed to be in this year, and I think no. It- knows because yeah. she's saddled off as missy's companion for much of the dalek two-parter yeah doesn't have much of her and then she's put inside a dalek and the plot just takes place around her she's basically a generic companion in this she does a lot of yeah. running around and occasionally is a bit clever but she doesn't do anything that's yeah, she's not really... even in the woman who lived she's not in the woman who lived at all um i think the girl who died is a very responsible take on clara and their relationship yeah. that works really mm-hmm. Then she's written out of the Zygon two-parter, and we yeah. have Clara. We have Bonnie. Mm-hmm. Which seems to be like the... Well, we didn't have Clara in it, but we did have Bonnie, so let's have Jenna Coleman play Bonnie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the fact that there's a villain called Bonnie, I think, is wonderful. <laughs> and of course, you've written out of the series altogether, and then you have uh, yeah. that mm-hmm. episode. Yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't it? It is. It's, it's a very strange series, and I think the fatigue is right. I think Stephen Moffat, again... Is, run, is running a bit on empty again at this point. And for Series 10, he's back. And he's yeah, he's, he's brought his A-game. Yeah. Well, that, well, that's the season he wasn't supposed to have, wasn't it? Yeah. So <laughs> it's like he's almost like he's let loose and can do whatever he likes. And it's fine. Like, and he's well, just going to enjoy it. And I am going to have Mondasian Cybermen. Yeah, I'm going to give Peter everything he wants. <laughs> um. Okay, well, then the last thing I need to ask you about Series 9... This is probably the most important thing in series mm-hmm. nine is the arc, effectively. Um, and she's not in this, but I'm just curious anyway. A shielder? No. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's really strange because in I don't know, have you seen Game of Thrones? Oh, uh, yeah, she's great, Maisie Williams. Yeah, Maisie, yeah, Maisie Williams is brilliant in that, and yet. She's not very good in Doctor Who. It's weird, isn't it? It is. Because basically she's playing a very similar character, at least sort of to begin with. I think the problem is, is in Doctor Who, she's playing a very old person as a child. And she can't yes. do it. She doesn't have the weight of experience. of acting. No. In Game of Thrones, she's playing a child that's forced into the role of an adult. And she can do that. She's brilliant mm-hmm. at that. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean the casting at the time was was huge news. It was the front of the Radio Times. It was was everywhere uh, because Game of Thrones was so so good. I mean, it was absolutely brilliant. I loved Game of Thrones, but I don't know. She just didn't quite gel into the Doctor Who world. Well, sorry, we're going to cover Under the Lake and Before the Flood. We um, are. I do think you are kinder on this than I am. I, mm-hmm. I, I think the first episode is competent, and I think the second episode is boring. Okay. So I'm hoping you're going to be able to... Uh, the floor is yours, basically. To oh, my God. <laughs> no. Okay, well, this will be interesting. <laughs> no pressure. But I, I will say, saying the first episode is competent is not an insult. It is a perfectly serviceable piece of television. Yeah. Well made. It's well acted. Um, there are exciting moments in it. It's got some mystery and suspense in mm-hmm. it. Um, my big problem is it isn't the impossible planet, which yeah, does well, everything, this story, everything this story is doing, but mm-hmm. way better. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk about that as we go through. We it. will. That's a very interesting take. We'll see how that goes. 
oh, I saw it to my other half, and he went, I'd never notice any comparison. Are you kidding me? <laughs> in scene by scene, they're doing the same <laughs> forbidden language that we don't understand, mm-hmm. scenes in the cafeteria, like for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Should we go into the first episode? Well, should we do this? Let's go under the lake. Now you've shat all over series nine with a, from a great height. <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm usually really positive about Doctor Who, and there's very little Doctor Who that I don't like. So for me to not like something, I think deserves ten minutes of time before an episode to unpick that. <laughs> I think this is the only time when it's truly refreshing that someone don't like something. Because you love everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, who's counting us in? Well, you can count us in. Go on. Thank you very much. In five, four, three, two, one. Let's go under the lake. Here we go. We're at the drum. Underwater oh. mining facility in Cape Are you Mess, sure that Scotland. is Seabase 4? No, it's much better than Seabase 4. Man, that's what Warriors of the Deep should have looked like. Sorry, yeah, Jason. I mean, but it's true. Mm-hmm. But look, I, this is a, the base looks magnificent under this water, and uh, that that's a really lovely piece of work there. But it's a fairly simple CGI shot, but it's evocative. Yeah, absolutely. And you can see that they're in the dark and they're quite deep underwater. You see this set here with the shuttle in it and the dry ass yeah. and all of that. That would be the entire budget of a classic Who story, you know. Well, they, exactly. They, that's the whole that's story like in Nerva... that one set. Yeah, that's like um, um, the Ark in Space. It's like Nerva Beacon, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. it's the cryogenic room. Although Everything like, comes back to that. Mm-hmm. Like Nerva Beacon, I did notice they kept running up and down the same corridor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the does not even, though built, even though they'd built lots of corridors. And the, the set is is huge for this this story. I was watching the Doctor Who extra that comes with it. Is he really? Because it just yeah. looks like they're going up and they down. Built, the same they side. built a proper proper complex. Oh, that do you know that makes me rethink the direction then. Yeah, so maybe the direction is is slightly off. Now, can I say I don't know who this uh, actor is there, this uh, black fella, but he's extremely hot, and I wish he didn't turn bad so quickly. <laughs> well, there's always one. I hate to objectify, but you know I love a black man in Doctor Who. But he's not Zachary Cross Flame, is he? No, but imagine a threesome with two of them. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Both muscly, gorgeous base commanders. Situation of extreme peril. I'll be like, boys, get your clothes off. We're gonna die. Let's get up this ventilation shaft now. <laughs> Diamond Heart. <laughs> Anyway, we'll think you'd explored a few ventilation shafts. <laughs> Every <I've> got... time. <laughs> Stop you doing... said, oh no, I won't do that. I won't do that. <laughs> I'll just put a slight disclaimer out to the audience of a hamster with a blood pen knife. I do seem to be suggesting quite a lot these days that Simon Hart is total slag. But <laughs> that's the past, Simon, all right? Not that is the, the very, <laughs> very past, Simon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, did you see that graphic? It even looked like the Ark in Space. It did, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Ah, here's our uh, uh, extraneous guest characters of the week. Yes. Now, so how do got... they fare? Um, I think the standout one is Cass. Uh, now, this is how much I know about this. Who's Cass? She's the deaf girl. Oh yeah, well that's doing yeah, it. For which representation. is really brilliant and absolutely fantastic representation. And Do you know, what? and I shouldn't just call her the 
the deaf girl because she actually becomes the base commander. Oh, here we go with Doctor Who's worst ever arrangement of the theme tune. <laughs> oh, oh god, it, I I really like the titles, but I cannot. St- Murray Gold was tired by this point as yeah, well. Everyone's got fatigue. I don't even like the titles. I hate the Roman numerals. Uh huh. Locks and oh god, it's all so obvious. Well, yes, that's true. It's like the TV movie where they kept going time, 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 <laughs> <laughs> all the time. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Toby Whithouse. It is Toby Whithouse, and we forget quite often that it's Toby Whithouse. I remember when we did a town called Mercy, we were listing all his stories, yeah. and we forgot that he wrote this one as well. Can you take me through the Whithouse. Uh... Oh, school <laughs> reunion. Oh, banger. Vampires of Venice. Oh, clanger. Uh, the town called Mercy. Oh, banger! Oh, sorry, I forgot the God Complex. Oh, banger! And this one. Uh oh, somewhere in the middle. Oh no, you're forgetting the Lie of the Land. I am forgetting the Lie of the Land. Clanger, <laughs> definite clanger. <laughs> oh, look at that side with the depth of the TARDIS in the shot. That's oh, beautiful. Outside. That's a great shot, isn't it? Is that see it? And... or whatever they call it. These I'm, I'm guessing so, but. One thing that struck me when I was watching this was when Clara is written as nearly generic companion, mm-hmm. it's brilliant. She and the doc, her and, and Capaldi are brilliant together. And the, I love this. This is like, it's like proper Doctor Who almost where they, they've landed somewhere and they don't know quite why. And they're exploring it. Oh, I said to, I said to Mark, this could absolutely be the opening of a classic. Doctor yeah, it could be the Doctor and Sarah Jane. It could be yeah. the Doctor and Leela. It could be the Doctor and Joe. Well, he said it, it could be the sixth Doctor and Perry, because, you know, later on when he gets the cards out, he said, I'd love to see Colin do that scene. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love I love the Doctor sticking his hand in the tea and he can instantly work out how long it's been since anyone's been there and things like that. That's really doctory. So are you saying that you prefer Clara when she isn't a massively important plot point and yes. is just the Doctor's secondary character? I think sometimes with the new series, we end up with companions who are massively important. And sometimes that's to the detriment of the stories that they're telling. And sometimes you just want a Doctor and companion and and things like this. And I think it works really well here. I think that's what sabotages some of episode two for me is that they're no longer together. Yes. Whereas because they're really good here and this is, it's nice to see them together. And that I wasn't expecting that feeling when I watched this again. Uh, and I think you get it a couple of times this year. Not enough. You do get it a couple of, I th- like I said, in the girl who died, I think that's such a responsible take on their relationship. Yes. It's like she's been with him long enough, so she understands when he's lying. I like all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, but because suspense sequence. Yeah, and the the doctor's delight a bit later on when um when he says it's ghosts. <laughs> and he says I haven't met actual ghosts before, and it's there's something about Capaldi being cheerful, isn't it? Though? Yeah, and he's yeah, and I think. I, I always think it's the husbands of River Song where he finally gets his doctor right. But I was amazed at how much I liked him in this one. 
I like the bit in Flatline where the TARDIS is small and he's like, well, you just let me have this moment, please. Yes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but you see now, they're wandering around tunnels. We've been through a, 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 ca- a sort of cantini area that's seen better. Yeah. We're about to see uh, Forbidden Unknown Language from the Dawn of Time. This that is can't all, be translated. All the impossible planet. Yeah, and then it's the letters on the eye rather than the letters appearing on Toby Zed's face. Yeah. So, and so it's, so, it's a great I mean, image, but it does invite comparison, doesn't it? Yeah, I think there there are significant comparisons, but it does something different in part two, which I think then changes it from being a, a straight reprise. And I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, so I'll just get it off my chest now. I don't think the guest characters are as vivid or as well played as they were in The Impossible Planet. No. I don't think that the atmosphere like cuts as deep as The Impossible Planet. I don't think the set pieces are as good. You know, the bit with Toby Zed outside. Smiling. No, there's nothing like that. Or Scooty floating in in the black hole and so the trouble with doing a story so similar is you kind of have to best it and i yes. don't think it does i it is uh as you said it's a very competent base under siege story and it's doing all the things that we like a base under siege story to do so there's there's jeopardy there's there are good tunnels to run up and down <laughs> there are all the same to me sorry <laughs> And I mean, we've I got really like ghosts, those. you know. It's like, yeah. There's, I mean, even like a, there's even like a day shift and a night shift, isn't there? Light. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to keep going to that well because that that doesn't seem very fair. But I just I just wanted to make the point. Mm-hmm. And I think the ghosts are really brilliantly realised. We're the same person. Oh. <laughs> Except the only thing that don't work about the ghost is Capaldi's already looks like a cadaver. So at the end, <laughs> he towards, I'm like, is there any difference from his normal face? I realise Joe Ford, <laughs> Joe Ford, Joe Short's telling me to fuck off right now. But <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it always reminds me of the cover of um, the um, PDA, Fear of the Dark, oh. with Davison with the with the eyes that are missing. That's a great cover, yeah. That was a great cover. That was a great book. It's a good cliffhanger image. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But it did take. But we're not quite there yet. (laughs) Try and figure out what was different. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know what? Right, the fellow who's doing the um, the sign language and translating. He's hot as hell as well. (laughs) Look at him. How pretty. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't object to pretty men being in Doctor Who. Do you? No. But none of them are as pretty as Toby Zed. <laughs> it is true with his beautiful mm-hmm. forelips. Actually, yeah. the figure with the glasses is quite pretty as well. Yeah, yeah, they're quite pretty classed. It is. Trouble is, they're all in this sort of sickly yellow lighting. At the yeah, the, it's. And again, when they go outside in part two, again, it's very graded grey blue. So it's all, yeah, it's all kind of. And again, that's something I think this year does a lot. That there's a lot of filtering and grading that makes everything seem a bit dour, and there's not much colour. I've heard people complain about the Chibnall era for that. Well, I think the colours pop in that era. Oh, absolutely. Most yeah. 
you know, you certainly know when Swarm and Azure are in a room. Absolutely. I, I, I was watching Demons of the Punjab the oh. other day, and it's beautiful. Absolutely. Made of the poppies in the field. Yeah, they... and it's colourful and gorgeous. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of sunshine. It's like a different show to this, doesn't it? Yes. And that's right, and that's what it should be. And Doctor Who should change with each era and should should approach things. But this this era always feels like teal blue to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's because it is, you know. Well, that's because I've, it I've, is. I've yeah. Tonight. <laughs> yeah, I've come far too colourful for this era. <laughs> You're from the RTD era. I'm from yeah. the RTD era. <laughs> This this fella, the the businessman who's yeah. has got trillions of pounds worth of mining equipment mm-hmm. on the base. So he's basically like the Steve Pemberton character from Silence of the Library and Forest of the Dead, isn't yes. it? But mm-hmm. the, he's the financier who's there to sort of secure his investment. Absolutely, yeah. He's the oily person you can't trust who is in it for what's what the company can get out of it. Can you try and explain something to me then? Because I don't think it's a bad performance, but I think he's an utterly unmemorable character. I forgot yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. I yeah, because I I think because with the other characters that are like that, with Steve Pemberton, he plays it up, and and everyone is good, but they're all quite flat. Maybe it's all a bit naturalistic. Yeah, and maybe that's it, and. Which is absolutely a choice, but sometimes you need someone who's a bit bigger. And because we don't have an out-and-out villain, mm. maybe that's that's what's sort of outstanding. Or maybe there's not the shades of grey that you've got there. So, again, if we're looking at the impossible planet, you've got Mr. Jefferson, who appears as a bit of a bastard, but is actually a bit insecure and, and things underneath and is a, is actually a good guy, but you've got those shades. Whereas here, everyone is sort of on a level and that's their character. Tell me, Sai, did your wife ever forgive you? Well, let me tell you, she never did. Well, exactly. Wait, there's nothing like that here, is there? There's no, no. That no. these, these people have a life outside of the story. Yeah. Other than the two pairs of men, and women fancy each other and can't say. And well, the fact that both of them fancy each other and can't say is another. Is another I don't. I don't want to to be really down on this because I I really enjoy it, but it's it's not quite there. And yeah, I know what you're saying. I no one is quite defined enough. There's one of the couples. I can't remember which. That's how I remember that I find some of this. But I do like it when they finally admit how they feel and they have a kiss. That is a good moment. Yes, that is. Yeah, right at the end. That's that's a nice payoff. But this is like, I know there's Madame Vastra and Jenny and a few others. This does feel like a, a solidly heterosexual era of Doctor Who as well. Very, very. I want to see some gay men snogging like in Praxeus, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, why couldn't it have been the two fellas that fancied each yeah, other? Yeah, well, exactly. There is no reason why not. But but never Or more. even the two women. Or even the two women, yeah. Well, you no, we'll be going into all of this. We've got somebody who can't hear properly and two women kissing. It's two woke sides. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. What am I thinking? If this was in Chibber's time, that deaf character... Would it would be the wokest thing ever? I remember this was celebrated at the time, and rightly so. And yeah, definitely. And I think she is really, really good. And particularly in the scenes where she's being chased, mm. there's some real tension because she can't 
here. That is the best of this whole story. Yeah. Axe on the floor, and we can hear it. And she can't. Oh, these cards. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And they wrote about 20 of them, apparently. Why haven't you written it for me? I could have 20 cards that say, (laughs) I I apologise for saying a sexual innuendo to your... (laughs) Joe, you never apologise for saying a sexual innuendo. We'll get Fraser to write them. (laughs) Cards I might, though. (laughs) Fraser will just have a whole 20 that just say, stop it, that are hold up. <laughs> it means I need you on every recording, and you just every now and again go, Joe, the cards, the cards. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it is, that's a great moment, though. It is. And, yeah, and it shows how much he's moved on from last year, that he could do that with a smile, and it's... <laughs> it's a he says partner stroke pet. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> he still hasn't quite got it right. No. Mm-hmm. Oh dear. You were like this when you met Shirley Bassey side. <laughs> <laughs> well, who wouldn't be? <laughs> yeah. So you know, I, all of this stuff's great when when it sort of slows down and they all talk. And I think yes. the dialogue has a bit of punch here as well. Mm-hmm. And again, that. They're doing the things that you want, like all the corridors getting dark and changing and things like that. And you get that lovely ripple effect of the sea, don't you? So you yes. forget so that, you right? know that you're yes, so you know you're under the sea, unlike Warriors of the Deep. <laughs> For me, the best set piece in this was when the water poured in and we were doing Titanic. And I was yeah. like, Yes, this is what I wanted. Yeah. And Peter Capaldi says that in in the, the extras where he says, Yeah, there's something about water being in your set that makes you sort of act in a certain way and makes you it, it just makes it more believable and suddenly you're walking in a different way and well, I hope it was just a around because he he dives through that door onto his he does yeah not a young man's side you know no there's hope for us all joe <laughs> <laughs> just trap me in a submarine filling full of water i can be as dynamic <laughs> as peter capaldi uh-huh <laughs> Oh, now this, this is an interesting scene. But I don't think it quite landed. No. <clears throat> I think it's and the I think dialogue. it lands... Yeah, I think it needed doing, but it's a... Again, I think maybe it's a bit too on the nose. Well, I was confused at what he was trying to say. What he was trying to say was, stay in the TARDIS, I want to keep you safe. Yes. But mm-hmm. it goes... It's such a roundabout way. <laughs> I couldn't figure out what he was trying to say. No. And I wondered whether... Again, because I thought maybe it was a bit more like the sort of running arc of the Doctor and Clara and Clara being too addicted to this and she's too reckless to be outside and actually she needs to be kept in check. But I think they do it better in the next story. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm hmm. And also as well, I think it just, you could do it with one punchy line, that line in Dark Water where he says, you know, do you think you betraying me would mean that I wouldn't help you? Or whatever, that line yeah. that, he, mm-hmm. that he basically says, I love you still, even though yeah. you tried to betray me. Mm-hmm. And it is a single line. It was, I was just, I said, what's he trying to say to her? And he had to explain yeah. it out to me. And I'm like, well, that wasn't mm-hmm. very clear, was it? No. And this again, one. maybe that's just sort of part of the the fatigue that no one is sort of working this stuff through properly 
because we get a very muddled hybrid story arc this year that doesn't quite gel. I said doesn't quite gel, doesn't gel at all. I don't even know what the hybrid is for this. I think it might be me, you know. (laughs) It could be anyone. It might be you. You could be the hybrid. (laughs) It could be us doing a hamster. Oh, my God. We could be the ultimate hybrid, Joe. We've done so many of these now. We've become (laughs) the hybrid. Hybrid. Say it properly. We've become the The hybrid. hybrid. (laughs) (laughs) But that is a bit weird when at the end of the season you haven't quite figured out. You still come in for but what? <laughs> oh. Look, I'll tell you what, he was hot, smoking hot, that man, you know, the mm-hmm. base commander. But he does look great as a ghost, doesn't he? He does, he does. I, I I think the ghost look, as I said, is just really, really strong and it's really different. It's because he's in a tank top and muscled as well. Yes. So it's quite a, mm-hmm. sort of intimidating physically. Yes. Whereas the other guys in this are not that kind of person at all. So what year are we in here? 2119. I read the caption at the start. <laughs> he said, I'd love to work for unit last line of defense. Last line. So that means yeah. unit's still going. Unit are still going. Yeah. And they know all about the, because they know, because O'Donnell, so she knows all about the doctor and knows knows his files and things like that. So it's obviously there's still sort of unit operatives and stuff. We've had the the Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart years. We've had the Gemma Redgrave years. We've had the Gordy Lethbridge Stewart years. <laughs> and now it's Gordy's son or daughter that's running it, you know. <laughs> I bet they're still saying things like, I My uh... great great grandfather Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart <laughs> I want Rusty Davis to floor everybody and have like Johan Bambera or something like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm grandson of Brigadier Bambera. <laughs> oh, I'm grandson of Colonel Crichton. Who <laughs> <laughs> the Major Beresford? <laughs> Who's Colonel Crichton? He's he's the Briggs replacement in the Five Doctors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. Where were we? <laughs> I don't know where we are in the story now. <laughs> we're just rewriting the future of Doctor mm-hmm. Who. That's all. Oh. oh, I like all those panels on the wall there. Yeah, the panels are cool. And again, a lot of the design is is nice. I mean, this. If you could go to a Doctor Who studio, this is a sort of thing you want to go to, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Corridors, yeah, you... Consoles, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And you know, Michael Pickwood never did a bad a bad set, really. He he was always really, really good. But you know, I I wonder if even he that it is a bit tired at this point. Because he you know, he did he designed that um Christmas planet in Christmas Carol. Yeah, and the mm-hmm. detail in that, like, and I know this is it's serving its function, and like we said, it's atmospheric, but it is a functional base. It's a base where people work. Yeah. So, no, no, that's kind of like like maybe this. I'm yeah. looking for, for reasons to complain now mm-hmm. when I shouldn't. Oh dearie me, that hot translator. Sorry, <laughs> I keep in my eye. Hmm. There's something about these sort of Latino-looking blokes. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I had this three month affair with a fella from Colombia once. Oh um, yeah, I always draws to the, yeah. You know, I fear mm-hmm. that that affair, you know, would make a more interesting commentary than this story. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk, <laughs> Joe. We always talk. Yeah, no. <laughs> Too much about that stuff. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Have we gone past a bit where he got all excited about the ghosts? Yes, we missed that bit, unfortunately. It was funny, though. But it's, it's really good. Well, because sort of, we've been with this character for a long time now. He's seen and done everything. But the one thing he's always maintained is that the supernatural does not exist. Yes, exactly. And I we saw that in, in Doomsday, didn't we, with um, Army of Ghosts? where he's debunking it straight away because you can't have ghosts. What does Jackie say? Why are you always trying to ruin things? Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> so his joy at seeing this is a really nice thing. And for Capaldi's Doctor, that's a really good... It's a nice to see him enthusiastic like that. Because so much of the year before, he he wasn't that engaged almost with with what he was doing and he wasn't finding the joy in things and so it's that shot that subtle shift in the character i think i think moffat deliberately put a distance between the dogs. oh absolutely yeah and unfortunately a lot of people then just went pushed away from him completely and said well i don't want to get to know him then because he's too alien and he's too unlikable yeah well exactly and that's always your danger that you lose your audience and they did lose their audience but like and... you know, I love Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor, and I she's mm-hmm. my second favorite after Tennant. But I think what they did with Capaldi was a braver move than what Chippers did with Jodie. Because going back to a a funny, energetic, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Doctor that embraces life, that's kind of easy to do, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, going down this route is dangerous though, because if you make your lead character unlikable what's the point of watching the show? And I know people will say because actually he's not unlikable or because he's not this. But if you're a casual viewer, why would you want to watch this if the Doctor is not acting like the Doctor? And this is the problem I have when they they do things like this. And I had it with Colin Baker a bit, I think, at, at the time as well. Because if you don't like the Doctor, then what's the point of the show? Have you come around to Colin now? Then? Oh yeah, I've come around to Colin, and I I completely see that, and and it, it's no denigration on either of the actors because they do a really good job with what they're given, but at least Capaldi gets to see it, see the arc all the way through, and does become sort of ultimately likable. But I have the again, I'm as I've said before, I have this problem with season eight Pertwee because he's such a bastard. That why would why does Joe even like him? Because he's horrible. He's horrible to everyone, and everyone says, "Oh, but that's really lovely, and it's so funny." But <laughs> I, I don't like. I don't. I think he's obnoxious in the demons, and he whereas everyone else loves, he's horrible. He's but horrible. I, I do laugh, and I shouldn't, because mm-hmm. I in real life I would hate. I would exactly. Hate you would call people out on being like that. And I'd probably hate Donna Noble and Jackie Tyler and all of these obnoxious loud mouths yeah. <laughs> giving their opinion all the time. But when I'm watching them on Doctor Who, I don't know. I it's different, it. isn't it? It's not real life. No, but... but I get where you're coming from because because it is 
asking the audience to not like them. Yes. And what, yeah. And when I think if, if Clara had loved him from the start and wasn't flip flopping and saying, Oh, I don't know whether you're a good man. I don't know all these things that would have changed things. But because even the person who's traveling with him isn't sure about him, then why would the audience be sure? And I think that the, the difference between that and say, I don't know, say, say the 10th doctor and Donna, because I could understand that people would find both those characters insufferable individually. Mm-hmm. Bring them together, these two loudmouths that are very opinionated and very in your face, and they almost cancel that out in each other, and they both have anxieties which they share with each other, and that deepens as it goes along. But in the same breath, they love travelling together. Yeah, exactly. So it's not; it doesn't become insufferable Mm. because of that. And again, once we've got Bill with this Doctor. She does wild, isn't she? By yeah, absolutely. She and she loves him, and but she is also not afraid to call him out when he's he's bad. Whereas I don't think Clara is good for this doctor because she's not in a great place because of the way she is, and so they they make each other almost worse. And it's compounded by the fact that we too technically have three seasons of, of Clara and three different Claras. We have the Impossible Girl yes. from Series mm-hmm. 7. We have the Love Triangle from Series 8. And then we have the I Want to Be the Doctor from Series, series 9. nine. And, and no phrase will be here saying to me, well, that's just a character responding to the situations in the last mm-hmm. series and progressing. But it feels like three individual characters. Yes, and it's to Jenna Coleman's credit that she makes it work and she is phenomenally good she is one of the most talented people to play a companion ever and she makes this mess of a person feel real most of the time and feel like she's a proper person i think once she gets through the matt smith years she's much better when she's given a character it might be a different character to the one she's been playing but what is interesting about that is I feel like she's the most divisive new series. Compared. Oh, absolutely. People yeah. Really like her or really, really hate. Her. Yes. Mm-hmm. And when you've got one of the finest actresses currently in the UK playing that part, it shouldn't be that divisive. So something. No, there. no she should have been the new series is Elizabeth Sladen. The new, well, she was, wasn't she? Clara. Basically. She, Clara Sladen. <laughs> yeah. You know, and but she, yeah, but it didn't quite win everyone like Sarah Jane did eventually. I can check <laughs> maybe five episodes where mm-hmm. everybody adores her, so you can yeah. get it right as well. Yeah, because I mean, she's. I think although she doesn't have a huge part, one of her best best stories is the Day of the Doctor. Mm. and she is really really good and she is so much better than she was in the rest of season 7b mummy on the orient express it's amazing yeah and flatline uh i think the girl who died as well face the Mm -hmm. raven i think she's great yeah and actually um she is really good in death in heaven yeah yeah Mm -hmm. it's a bit of a mess but yeah. yeah but but Sort of her and last Christmas, 
Now, there is a reason why we have spent the last 10 minutes discussing uh, Capaldi and Coleman and their respective characters. And that is because we've basically just done a lot of running around the sets. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. There's a lot of great running around. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not pretend so, we don't love it. We've been watching mm-hmm. it for 60 years, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. We like running up and down corridors, being chased, and the tension. But excuse me? You like running up corridors and being chased? Well, you know, everyone has their fetishes. So, what do you fear? Think about Murray Gold in this era. I because this is a big part of Doctor Who through, well, through ten ten seasons. But I think he needed a rest. I was mm-hmm. listening to the music in, in this episode and the only bit of music that really struck me was when they were running away from the water and it was loud and quite bombastic and really pushing the pace of it. The rest of it was very subdued, I thought. Yes, I thought the same. Um, the One of the bits that stood out to me was when when Clara's theme played, because I think that's a beautiful piece of music, and I've forgotten how much I really like that that bit of music. But there's nothing very, again, nothing very outstanding. It's all competent, but there's nothing. I um I couldn't tell you any particular riffs from this story, but as you said to me, hum music from the Impossible Planet. That yeah, theme when Scooties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is it like a violin or something? It's really yeah. and mm-hmm. and yeah, it's it's odd, isn't it? Because I I think there are there are two stages of Murray Gold. I think there's series one to three Murray Gold, which is magnificent, and he's really he's throwing everything at the show. And then I think he goes on a bit of a slide, and particularly for the the tenant specials, mm. he's really not not almost not there there's none of the schools are particularly outstanding and then he comes back for series five and is really energized by a new doctor and he's got this new theme and the series five soundtrack is one of my favorite doctor who soundtracks i think that's a really great year and then he just begins to to slide again and i don't think he's as infused by capaldi as as he could have been. I really like his doctor's theme for him, but it's very long and it's and you get lots of different bits to it. I'm gonna offer like a, an opposing periods of his. But not okay. To, well I think one to four is maybe four, yeah. Is his sort of experimental um, I'm going to try everything and anything mm-hmm. and most of it lands and it's stuff that he would never do again some of it, but no. it's really unique music for the show. Then I think Matt Smith comes along, and I think sort of five, six, and seven. That might be his strongest period for me. Like in terms of um, his confidence, yes. Then I think Capaldi comes along, and that's it. it there, are, I mean, there's obviously good music. The Shepherd's Boy in, yeah, mm-hmm. he's a great musician, but he is a bit fatigued. Yes, and. I always, I always think the transition is from when he goes from writing. Um, beautiful pop songs to choral pieces yeah. and i always think that is a bit of a, <laughs> a a sea change in the murray gold years and i i miss the songs i loved his oh, songs you agree that dreadful bit of opera in christmas carol is terrible then oh no 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 i like that you see because i'm fickle 
All right, I'm sorry. I sing that every Christmas. You know what I sing? Once I found a stowaway. Yeah, everyone forgets about that. That's a lovely song. As a middle bit go, beg, borrow, and steal. I'll find a way. way I'll be with my brother upon Christmas Day. Man, great stuff. Bring back the Christmas specials. Oh, wait, we have. Oh, they are. Bring back the songs, Murray. And let's have New Year's specials as well. Yeah, <laughs> let's have everything special. <laughs> oh, what's going on? Oh, so, they're exploring the bagel, aren't they? We're in power of crime yes, territory. We are. We love a bagel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love a bagel as well. Although it's oh, got yeah. free these days. Uh, yes. So this all becomes very important in part two when we're actually... Because everything under the water happens because of what happens in the next episode it is is the village it's before the flood i am joe i am (laughs) (laughs) i don't know where i get these ideas from (laughs) that's why (laughs) what's in that what's in that pod it's a freezer i think it's come from i think it's come from space world it's no one clits from the park. <laughs> Just imagine oh. that. <laughs> <laughs> if Bonnie Langford climbed out and went, neither am I a man. And what's more, who are you? <laughs> oh, I told you this was worth a lot of grotchet smell. <laughs> Capaldi's like, shut the door quick. <laughs> Summer long glitz. <laughs> oh, oh, do you know what? He'd fucking liven this up no end, wouldn't he? <laughs> I mean, we do sort of get a dodgy diggling character in part two, don't we? The Tivoli man. Yes, we do. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do Princess. like the idea of that race, but they are a bit annoying as well. Well, yeah, well, that's the idea. They are very annoying. But I think I think Paul Kay is better than David Walliams was. Yeah, there's something a bit knowing about Walliams, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. Whereas with, with Paul Kay, there's a bit more danger and a bit more... But I do think... Williams is in a better episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's like so horses for courses, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Nothing is ever perfect. Well, except for turn left. That's absolutely yeah. <laughs> and midnight. Go on, you name a few. And City of Death. Oh, just sublime. Any more? Oh, they're all they're all I'm sure there are more per I mean, some would say Heaven Sent is perfect. Yes. Well it, it well it it's Perfectly well told. <laughs> it make... <laughs> I mean, I'd say Demons of the Punjab is perfect. Yes. I would say Eve of the Daleks is perfect. Oh, God, stop. You're going to give me orgasm. <laughs> I mean, all these brilliant Doctor Who stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's going on now? I've lost the track. Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, they're working out about the the... The words being the coordinates. Oh yeah, well, they've the all seen them. Of the, the base, is it? It's yeah, and the words write themselves into your your head. Apart from the people, so the people who haven't seen it, which are Cass and her the other guy, her translator guy, who she stops going in. He works out then that they're immune to the ghosts because it's all all linked. That's quite something. a clever idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was the unknown language in Impossible Planet? From Crop Tor, wasn't it? Oh, from the dawn of dis- misty dawns yeah. of time, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Yeah, the great elementals. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Very enticing. Um, sometimes I wonder if obscurity is more enticing than it being spelled out to you, though. Well, yeah, we all like that because there's a bit more ambiguity, isn't there? Obscurity, ambiguity. We're turning on all those dictionary lovers right now. <laughs> Get my thesaurus out. <laughs> Go on, what's the longest word you know? <laughs> well, I know lots of long words, but I can't think of any right now. Ready? Ready? I'm going to make them blow their lips. Go on, then. Anti-disestablishmentarianism. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> Concubiscent. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just going off on random. <laughs> you bring it out, man. Every time I see the the signs with Victor Petroleum on them, I'm thinking of Victor Pemberton for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> My brain is auto-translating to spot Doctor Who authors. <laughs> I mean, you could do it. He wrote. He was involved heavily in that season full of base under siege stories. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's a, it's a secret wink to series five. Maybe. Well, maybe it is. Oh, now this is the good stuff. Come on, the water pouring. Yeah, in. this is what we want. God, the last time I saw that much froth coming towards me. <laughs> well, was you yesterday. were on the beach at Eastbourne. <laughs> I saw that video. <laughs> That's on my OnlyFans. What are you doing on there? <laughs> oh, look at this. That water. Was that CGI water coming down that corridor? No, I think that's real water. Look at him go. He died through the door. <laughs> Action hero for the ages. Mm-hmm. Do you mind if I sing Bonnie Tyler? No, you go ahead. I'm a hero. I'm holding, I'm holding up for a hero to the end of the line. He's got to be grey and he's got to be grumpy and he's got to be... <laughs> Go on. <laughs> <laughs> My brain froze. <laughs> now, okay, I'm going to invite comparison again because I think this is a lovely visual of them either side of the glass and the water pouring up. But it does take me back to 42. I was just thinking exactly the same thing. Doctor and companions separated by insurmountable space. And I think it's executed better in 42. Yeah, it's beautifully done in 42. Silent you know yeah do you think okay here's a question for you i haven't actually asked you a single question we've been so busy what, what's going on i know or did fraser send any questions by the way oh i think he has we'll do we'll them look, in part we'll two that's how it will be desperate mm-hmm. part two. um <laughs> i'm always desperate for you uh, <laughs> um what was my question again i don't know you didn't ask it oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. do you think when doctor who is on for a certain amount of time and because it covers a certain kind of genre, that it automatically invites comparison over time. Oh, yeah, yeah I think so. Because mm-hmm. naturally, they repeat the same kind of stories every so often. Because there are only so many stories. And the Base Under Siege story for Doctor Who is one of its natural settings. It's when we could just stand here sit here and think of reel off a list what a great cliffhanger what a brilliant image oh he looks fucking ghoulish doesn't he, he? does it's wonderful oh i don't want to go to bed thinking about that <laughs> and god we're watching episode two <laughs> but you know and maybe it's because it's capaldi that it works so well mm. that he's just got the right kind of face to pull that off 
Yeah, because I couldn't see it working with Matt Smith somehow. No. He no, works better exactly. as the flesh because he's got a sort yes, of malleable face. Because he's face. got that kind of face, hasn't he? So, And Tennant worked really well as an old man, I thought. Yeah. Because he's such a young looking bloke. Mm-hmm. And maybe Eccleston would have worked with that kind of image. Oh, maybe. They didn't do much to Jodie, did they? No. Oh, no, I couldn't spare one hair on her head being hurt, though, you know. No, that wouldn't. That, that's just not on, is it? No, absolutely. Well, it ended, Si. It did. We yeah. got through that. <laughs> we laughed a lot. But no, like, like we we did say a few, ne- uh, quite a lot of negative things in that episode. But I do want to come back to what we said at the start, that it is a very competent piece of television. Absolutely. It is very it is. watchable. Yeah, it's it's very well made. Everything is, nothing is wrong. It's just not hitting the highest level of Doctor Who. This is this is average, everyday Doctor Who almost. This did is not... Do, did we do Base Under Siege again in Jodie Whittaker's time? I suppose the closest was, was Eve of the Daleks, really. Uh, it was terrific, wasn't it? But again, but they were doing something that was different. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they I were, it was the Village of the Angel when they're at the house is under attack. Yes. That yeah, was that really that kind of it. Well. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that's almost like Doctor Who Manor House under attack, isn't it? That's your Pyramids of Mars and your Image of the Fendile kind of Doctor Who. Anything's going to get you hot under the collar. It's like a, a Manor House. It's a Manor House under, under siege. You know. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, look, my last question to you then before we out episode yeah. one um, under the lake uh, is. You know, if we didn't compare one era to another, one producer to another, one writer to another, one showrunner to another, yeah? What the fuck would Doctor Who fans talk about? Well, exactly. Well, they'd find something to argue about. (laughs) (laughs) Within the same era. Series 8 is better than Series (laughs) 9. Yeah. (laughs) And then, no, wait, within the same season. Well, that episode's better than that. (laughs) Which is what we've done in this episode. It's in the same story. Well, that yes. scene was better than that scene. <laughs> well, that line was better than the line before. <laughs> that reaction shot was better than that reaction. You know what? No matter how much you say, you can't compare that to that. We'd find something, wouldn't we? There'd, there'd always be something. The only thing I don't compare is the commentaries that I do with you. Because they're all fucking delightful. <laughs> you only compare me to Fraser. Uh, oh, well, that, that's just an added layer of delightful. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> I think I'll cut it there. 